With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Consecutive 
long-term, ongoing uh, podcast that uh, give you fresh content every week on a consistent basis. And I just really uh, thank all of the fans and listeners to the Pancakes Power Slam show that we have been live on the air. And, we, and the thing is, I want someone to research consecutive, the longest consecutive uh, or the top, uh, I don't know, five or so, longest consecutive podcast that's going on right now. Uh, and we have been going on for 184 consecutive weeks. We have not missed a single week ever since we started uh, in April of 2012. So, uh, longest and and we and the thing is, our goal is to is to break the record. So everybody who's listening right now, first of all, thank you. And the second of all, if we can have a few people to uh, do a little bit of research and, and check out some other podcasts um, and see who is the longest, uh, the top longest consecutive podcasts that are going on right now. So that is another goal for the Pancakes and Power Slam show to be one of the longest reigning consecutive podcasts that is uh, going on in the United States at least. So interesting research. Uh, thank you all for the uh, involvement. Uh, 184 consecutive weeks. And again, uh, we have not missed a single week in 184 of them. So, and uh, <laughs> one one of these days when we have enough time, I'm going to give you some very interesting stories. Uh, I have a, I have a studio now, but uh, there was times um, <laughs> where <laughs> early, early, early on in the in the advent of of the Pancakes and Power Sam show, I can uh, definitely tell you some stories of where I aired. Um, the live show and some very interesting uh <laughs> some very interesting stories that I have. So the Pancakes of Power Slam show has gone through uh a whole lot and so I uh, thank you all for continuing to listen and, and, and I mean we we just grow every week and, and we just got you know we have so much buzz here in the show and it's awesome. We get uh it's one of the most buzzworthy podcasts because we have some very interesting interviews and um, just, you know, Greg Gagne was definitely one of the best interviews that the Pancakes and Power Sam show has ever experienced. It was just, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing, uh, interview. And he and I talked, um, uh, we, we, uh, communicated after the show and, uh, we got a date, uh, penciled in and, and, and we'll, uh, make it official. Uh, we, we were both very elated about the, uh, about the uh, the podcast, about the interview last week, and he was very grateful. You know, just someone. I, there, there's there's people who I've interviewed. Um, I'm not going to say any names about the bad ones, but there's people. I, and I've in 184 weeks, we've interviewed dozens of people um, in the in the 184 weeks, dozens of wrestlers. And there's uh, there there's some that are uh, that was just a, a straight interview. You know, just. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. It was a cool 45 to 60 minutes, and that was it. You know, it wasn't much after that. Um, but there were some that actually were really cool, and and I really appreciate them as human beings uh, far more than wrestlers. And and Greg Gagne is definitely one of those people. Very grateful for for him to be such a legend in the business. 
um, and, and, you know, just one of the legendary names and all the rich stories that he told me, you know, that he not <laughs> the, the podcast last week wasn't the only time that we've, uh, we communicated, we communicated before and after that, the interview last week. And uh, just the stories that he gave me and just the, the things that we're going to talk about on part two, uh, just just so rich with, with, with good, good history. And I really appreciate people like that that's, that's, you know, put so much blood, sweat, and tears in the business and still appreciate the people who create them and make them who they are, with, you know, which are the fans. And so I appreciate people like that. And just, you know, people who appreciate opportunities to really share stories and give updates of their careers. I appreciate people like that. People like, you know, out of the, all the people I interviewed, and, you know, I've had some great, great interviews, but people like uh, Tyler Rex, who I actually still speak with. I actually spoke with them a few days ago. Uh, uh, JTG, who I still speak with. People like, you know, D'Lo Brown, who, uh, you know, <laughs> we we uh, text each other about the Bulls. And, you know, people like Matt, Matt Taven, great guy. He actually gave me uh, – me and, and uh, Ryan, uh, another uh, our uh, senior st- uh, analyst and, and live correspondent, he gave us free tickets to an ROH event. Matt Taven did. So, you know, he's people like Matt Taven and, and people like that I appreciate even more because they're literally just a phone call away, you know, just, you know, um, and I appreciate people like that to, to, to grow uh, a relationship with outside of just – interviewing them and so because they appreciate uh they appreciate opportunities like this they they don't have a, they don't have a mentality that they're too good you know for for this and and they appreciate times like this and and and, and people like that I actually like Hanson uh another person who I interviewed I actually met him uh I actually met him after I interviewed him. I, I met him at an ROH event. He was like, "Oh yeah, you know, he remembered and everything. We talked for a while." So he, you know, he 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 was he's a good example of that too. So, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you know people like that. Moose, he you know he sent me an email, you know, thanking me uh, after his interview, and you know, uh, just just really really appreciate you know uh, people like that who you know don't good don't. Uh, they don't. They're not above opportunities like this. It really isn't. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, great. Keep mentioning names if y'all if y'all remember. Um, if if y'all remember, if you're on the www.nation.com or on Twitter, if you remember different interviews, you know, bring them up. I see Son of Havoc, Matt Cross. Um, you know, that was another uh, real good one. He was he was really a down earth guy, and he he and I we communicated. He actually Matt Matt Cross was I think Moose might have done it too, but uh, Matt Cross was the only one who sent me a very very heartfelt email uh, right after I, I think it was maybe a day or two after I interviewed him. He sent me a, a long heartfelt email just uh, thanking me and appreciating the opportunity. See, people like that, I, I I give mad respect to because, you know, they didn't have to spend it's – 11, it's, it's, it's 11 o'clock Eastern time, so that's, you know, it's relatively late here in the States as far as, you know, time zone is concerned. But – and he lives – you know, it's it's not any, you know, better for him. But, you know, stuff like that, 
I, it, it's the little things that I appreciate the most, and and stuff like that. Just giving me a, a heartfelt thank you email um, right after the interview is is very. I appreciate it very much. Crimson's agent. I remember when I when I uh, interviewed Crimson. I was actually Crimson's first interview um, after uh, his release. I was his first. In, he, I was the first person to interview him, and his agent was very thankful. Uh, she sent me a message uh, thanking me for that too. So um, it, that that was that was great too. So yeah, I mean it's just awesome. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunities. Um, you know, D'Lo Brown. Like I said, you know, D'Lo Brown. He he was a uh, he was a great he was a great one uh, too. We, we communicated after after our interview as well. So just really really good stuff and um, just people who you know I haven't uh, I, I'm still talking to but still haven't uh, uh, locked in a date for. I'll save those names for later. But uh, uh, there's there's some more coming up the pike too that I've been I've been uh, communicating with too. So it, it, it's it's great stuff. So awesome stuff. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, let's get into some Q and A. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. All right, let's get into some Q&A again, WAWNation.com. Or tw- live on Twitter at Crave Wrestling. Uh, send your tweets with your um, with your questions. Hashtag Pan Slams. P A N S L A M S. Pan Slams. All right. Be- before I get to the first question, uh, I think I'm gonna do. Uh, people know how much of a traditionalist I am. I love old school wrestling. I was uh, communicating. Uh, with uh, my fellow brethren at Rio Wrestling uh, through through uh, message, and it's a great is uh, a great guy um, that uh, is really um, involved in the show and, and just really passionate about the Pancakes Power Slam show. His name is Chris, actually. Um, great guy, just really um, just a strong advocate of the uh, Pancakes and Power Slam show, and and, and uh, I was schooling him a little bit on the. Old wrestling, the, the Continental Wrestling Alliance, and uh, excuse me, the Continental Wrestling Association, and uh, just sending videos and, and, and schooling them a little bit on on uh, old school wrestling, and, and you know, if you've listened to half of the 184 episodes, you'll know how much of a passionate old school wrestling fan that I am. I grew up in the 80s, actually, so you know, just just experiencing that as a kid in the 80s and and uh uh being around you know when when AWA was around when World Class was around I remember watching World Class in the 80s too and of course NWA and WWF at the time of course now WWE uh just being around and even uh even uh I I remember watching IWCCW International World Class Championship Wrestling came on like uh, the wee hours in the morning. Um, it was some station I wasn't managed to pick up, and uh, I remember when uh, Taz was there, and the uh, 
the uh, the manager when when uh, when DDP was a manager, and uh, it was just awesome, awesome to see. So um, I'll be I'll be posting every week now through the Blog Talk Radio uh, site and also wawnation.com. I'll be posting just random classic videos of the week, and now that that I've already watched and uh, just you know, uh, improved either, either I've watched live or I've watched recently just to, uh, relive or just really kind of beef up my, my wrestling research. So very interesting. And this week was, uh, the, uh, the master of pain now known as the undertaker, and of course, Lord humongous, uh, which was, uh, of course, better known as Sid, I remember watching CWA when Lord Humongous was a big heel. He had like some Jason mask on and he became a baby face and aligned himself with Jerry Lawler while um, the Master of Pain was with uh, Robert Fuller. And I'll tell you what, man, Robert Fuller was a heck of a, uh, a promo guy. He, uh, You know what? He when, when he was the manager of Harlem Heat and he had his, uh, you know, uh, Bunkhouse Stable with uh, Bunkhouse Buck and uh, who he who he actually teamed up with in CWA. Uh, he was uh, used to be known as Jimmy Golden and Buck and uh, Dick Slater, and uh, it, it was just really uh, interesting to see them in WCW and then you know see them in in the CWA. But uh, I really never noticed how good of a of a promo guy uh, Robert Fuller was. And uh, or or Colonel Robert Parker, and I, I was just really amazed at how good he was in the CWA. He was he was really he was one of the top guys in the CWA. Uh, had a great feud with Jeff Jarrett back then, and it was really good. He you know the storyline was uh, his dad his his dad is now deceased, and he was a promoter, and then. Uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett's dad, Jerry Jarrett, comes along and kind of steals his uh, shine, and and now uh, you know Fuller has some resentment be- uh, because of that for Jeff Dad, so he's going to take it out on Jeff. Just really good storylines, and and Fuller was a was a pretty good uh, promo guy. Uh, yes, Downtown Bruno did manage uh, Lord Humongous. He sure did. It was uh, great stuff. All right, uh, man, let's go to the first question. Great stuff so far. Um, what got you started with the podcasting? I always, because I was a journalist long before I, I started podcasting, and uh, I just love to write. I love writing. I'm a professional blogger, actually. I have my own uh, blog site, visionunited.com with a Z. And just love blogging, love uh, writing. And it's so funny. Uh, I think I might have start, uh, shared this writing story beforehand. Uh, I started writing. One of my first uh, writing opportunities was um, a Hub Pages, and Hub Pages is a free blog site where you can um, just create your own account and just uh, kind of work your way up with your blog posts. And I started uh, writing for Hub Pages and had my own page. And uh, I started writing weekly raw columns. Every single week I wrote a raw column. You know, didn't get paid a dime for it. It was just, you know, my way to make it into the business of of, of journalism, writing for big sites. And um, 
so when I started writing for Hub Pages, uh, it, it, it was the the column was called Yes, No, Maybe, and ever and after every single week, I would um, kind of just highlight different factors of the particular raw that I thought was a yes. Um, you know, good parts of raw, and then the no's, the bad parts of raw, and then the maybe's, the potential parts that that may have some some good storylines develop, developing for them. So, I wrote I wrote those consecutively for a number of weeks, and a number of months really, actually. And uh, I, I I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I think I have enough in my portfolio to reach out to. A, uh you know a big a big company and so i actually submitted that I submitted one of my articles to bleacher report and um you know I, from from all the talks i heard before so many people were talking about how hard it was to get into the bleacher report and how much they um didn't you know <clears throat> how much they got rejected to to even get a job there based on their writings and things like that but i'm a type of guy i'm so ambitious as many people know, I, I, I'm uh, in my PhD program, so I'll be a, uh, I'm my I'm getting a PhD uh, in a couple of years. I'll, I'll be finishing up, and I'll have my uh, I'll have my doctorate in forensic psychology. So I've always been a very goal oriented person. Like I've I've never been that guy. I've I've always been that guy where I can like. 20 people can tell me that they it didn't work for them and that would not affect me not one bit and that and that's that's I've always been that guy um it doesn't really matter what anybody else says about something I'm so ambitious and so go oriented about it's just not going to stop me I'm still going to pursue it and so that's what happened with Bleach Report I I submitted the the writing and uh I within Probably a week, I got um, I got the job at Bleach Report to a regular you know correspondent, which everybody starts off with a correspondent. And as a correspondent, I realized that I was getting a lot of reads, even with my writings in the very beginning. And so that inspired me to even uh, expand my writing into podcasting. So I was, you know, to to have that the, the writing and the ability the ability to uh, verbally express uh myself um and, and through through podcasting. And I've, you know, I liked listening to podcasts and and uh, so forth and so I was like, you know, again, I was that guy. I, I'm I'm that guy. I'm like, you know, what's the difference between them and me? Nothing. So why don't I just start podcasting? And I didn't give up, and uh, the first few weeks was some uh, very uh, disheartening numbers as far as uh, the podcast, and then it started jumping up to four figures of live listeners uh, really within the first month of uh, of the podcast. It jumped up to four. I, would, I could look at the numbers every week, and it jumped within the first month to like four figures. And so it was very encouraging um, that the the content that I was sharing. Um, one of the biggest reasons why, one of the biggest things that we, one of the biggest ways that helped, and biggest forms of that helping too was being able to put my uh, podcast 
as an article on Bleach Report, so that helped out a lot. And so just using the both of them in tandem uh, to really help me out as a journalist and as a um, as a uh, radio show host and a, and a podcaster, it uh, you know I it really got the ship sailing, and I haven't looked back since. Three and a half years later. Um, uh, I was one of the biggest. Uh, I was a feature uh, column feature columnist of the Bleach Report, and that that happened which within the first month or so because people climb up the ladder and they were so impressed with my work that I actually jumped from a correspondent all the way to a feature columnist, and that usually takes people years to to uh, ascend to because there's different levels with like certain certain amount of comments and and reads you get. Um, you get you you kind of ascend. You get so many points, and you go up an, a level, and so forth. But I jump, actually jumped from the the bottom of the pole to the top of the pole within a month because my writings was uh, so popular at, at the Bleacher Report. So, um, and then uh, I just used that leverage to help with my radio shows, and there you go. So I haven't haven't looked back since. Great question. Uh, next question. Um, let's see here what we have. What is the memorable angle? Oh, good question. Um, oh, well, okay. Well, let me, let me, uh, answer this question here. A, a good question kind of going into what I just said. When and how did you start getting this opportunity to interview the names you've been able to book? Um, my first interview was uh, a friend of mine who was an indie wrestler named Onyx, and um, he's been wrestling for quite some time, and that was my first interview, and so because I knew him, you know, it was a great time to say, well, okay, well, um, I got the show, let's, in, you know, let's interview, and it was my first time ever interview. I mean, inter- I've interviewed people as a journalist, but I've never interviewed people in my own podcast, so Interviewing him was good. It was I had some jitters, of course, uh, because I never interviewed anyone. But he was a great person to start with because we were friends, so I knew him, and uh, he um, wrestled with a lot of big names that you that you know now. And so it was it was a good way to kind of launch myself and to kind of kind of test myself in interviewing people. And so as far as big names is concerned, my first interview was actually Elijah Burke, the 50th episode uh, of Pancakes and Power Slams. We were celebrating the 50th episode, and uh, um, Elijah Burke was my first interview. And um, just, you know, he he was without – there wasn't much – pulling teeth or anything he was he was up for it and i you know kind of you know presented myself you know writer for the bleach report um you know this podcast has been going on for you know we're celebrating our 50th 50th episode um and just kind of giving him the spiel and presenting myself and kind of you know sending him my portfolio and and giving him presentations uh, a presentation of my brand you know, which is of course Crave Wrestling and the Pancakes and Power Slam show, and um, it didn't take him no time to to respond, and he was he was up for it, and so that was Elijah Burke. That was a uh, hundred and what one hundred and seventy nine episodes ago. Well, well one hundred and one hundred twenty nine episodes ago. 
um, Eliza Burke, and then um, uh, Crimson, uh, Roman Tom Crimson, uh, Caprice Coleman, and I, I just you know people names like that. I just used the the previous interviews to help with the presentation to show kind of present my resume to different wrestlers. And so nowadays it's not very hard, it's not very difficult to to get a wrestler because my portfolio, my resume is so packed that, you know, I'll just list the long list, I'll just name the long list of wrestlers that I've interviewed and how many episodes that I've had and how many listeners that I've had. And uh, nowadays, it's it's not very diff- it's not very difficult uh, to uh, to get people to get big names in uh, because of the tenure of the show. So, great question. Uh, what would you say your favorite or most memorable angle is? Um, good question. I would have to say. Uh, because I'm such a sting mark, uh, my, my my most memorable angle was the uh, sting road to becoming the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Started with uh, a time limit draw in uh, Class of Champions '89, and then uh, around the I think it was January of '90, uh, he got uh, initiated into the uh, to the Four Horsemen. And uh, they were expecting him to relinquish his uh, title opportunity, and he still wanted it. And Ole Anderson was just hard nosed and just really the the villain, still the villain of the of the of the camp. They were more of a babyface uh, faction at the time. And Flair was just kind of sitting back and and just kind of in awe that Sting still wanted a, a title opportunity um, with Flair and 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 you know Ole Anderson was just the uh, he was just really the perpetrator into into Flair uh, making the turn again and that really just set me on fire just as, just as a fan just wanting Sting to have that opportunity to become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in 1990 and of course my biggest markout moment was uh was you know summer of 1990 Great American Bash with when you know he was with the dudes with attitudes in ringside and he defeated Ric Flair to become the to win his first ever NWA World Heavyweight Championship. So that was my favorite and most memorable most memorable angle. Uh, a couple more questions. Um where do you see mainstream professional wrestling in um 5 to 10 years? Um Kevin Owens brought up Onyx when first being brought to NXT. Oh, cool. Sweet. I did not know that. That's awesome. Uh, Onyx is a friend of mine, and uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, where do you see mainstream professional wrestling five to ten years in the U.S.? And my thoughts on New Japan. Um, mainstream wrestling in five to ten years, I don't see much of a difference than it is now. I think NXT would be diluted by that time, unfortunately. I think the NXT would be more of a um uh a smackdown 
and, and SmackDown has been diluted so much these days. It's ridiculous. I remember back in the early 2000s during the uh, during the ruthless aggression era, where when Heyman booked SmackDown and it really was, I mean, it, it was it was literally better than Raw. It, it was just Raw was the B show compared to SmackDown. SmackDown was such an amazing show. It was, it was just laced with good wrestling and just just so many names that were just uh, amazing at the time. That was you know. The Undertaker was uh, just running roughshod on on SmackDown at the time, uh, and then of course you had the draft. Um, you know there were so many good names: uh, Eddie Guerrero. Um, you know I'm going to say his name, although he's a jerk. Chris Benoit. Um, you know Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle. All those names were just really Brock Lesnar is another one. Uh, just really, just making SmackDown just an amazing brand to watch. And it's been so diluted since then, past dozen years. It's ridiculous. I think the draft had, I think the end of the draft was just a, a, a horrible idea um, because it really, the, the, the split really got, really gave a chance, really gave an opportunity for people to shine. To me, if there was no split, if there was no split, JBL would not be in the position that he is, um, that he that he was of, of being world champion. Uh, I would say people like Eddie Guerrero wouldn't have had the shine that he did. I would say people like uh, Rey Mysterio wouldn't have had the shine that he did. You know, there, there was a, there is a number of people that wouldn't have been able to get the opportunities that they that they had. Uh, Cody Rhodes was another guy because of the split. He became his own person, left the legacy, got uh, drafted to SmackDown, and just really became such uh, an amazing uh, heel with his um, dashing was okay, but uh, just the, the, the paper bag character was just an amazing idea and, and, and a great – without question to me, that was Cody Rhodes' best uh, – best time in the WWE for sure. Um and unfortunately I think NXT is going to be that way in 5 to 10 years. I think NXT because to be honest with you, I remember going to NXT events, you know, earlier this year and you know, late last year it was such a it was such an amazing independent type feel to it that just was such a huge jump from the developmental territory that it was when Seth Rollins was champ and Big E was champ. Such a huge jump became its own entity, and I and I said this before, it should remain its own entity. But now you've got people doing double duty like Sasha Banks and Kevin oh, you know, for 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 a while Kevin Owens and Page, you know, pulled double duty for a while, too. And just, you know, with all these huge shows that they're doing now, you're bringing casuals into a brand that shouldn't be, you know, you're bringing casuals into a brand that is not suitable and not suited for casuals, if that makes sense. I'll say it again. You're bringing 
you're bringing casuals into a brand that's not suited for casuals, and that's NXT. And the more you dilute the brand with casuals, casual fans is what I mean, the more you make it into an entertainment show. And, and NXT is not necessarily accustomed or fashioned to be an entertainment show. It's a wrestling show. It's a, you know It reminds me of an independent show mixed with classic NWA World Championship wrestling feel to it. Just a small venue, like full sail, you know, uh, it seats 300 people, just that, just that indie, genuine, passionate feel. But now you're adding on to it so much and just kind of just, you know, the brand to me, the NXT brand to me is, is just throughout this year, it's been diluted so much that, you know, people like Finn Balor, who deserves to have the same shine as like, you know, Neville and, and when Neville was champ and uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, when they were all champs, they were all champs when the product was special and, and amazing um, and, and, and separate. Now Finn Balor is champ when the product is starting to have too much of an, a WWE injection in it. And unfortunately, that's making... You know, his reign not as exciting as, you know, the aforementioned reigns. And that's very unfortunate. So that's that's where I think that uh, mainstream wrestling will be in the next five to ten years. As far as uh, New Japan, New Japan, I I have a Bullet Club hoodie. That's that pretty much explains my uh, my like my love for New Japan wrestling. I love New Japan's partnership with ROH. I think it's absolutely amazing. I love um, the global wars that they that they do, and just bringing the names into ROH and I DVR actually uh, New Japan uh, on my on my TV and and, and watch it. Uh, it's not current. It's about a year. It's about a year out. Um, but it still it still gives me the opportunity to watch some great matches like Bad Luck Fale against uh, Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Title when Fale when Fale actually beat Nakamura. Um, that was a great that was a great match, um, very good match. So just watching uh, New Japan and just seeing people like Trent Beretta, who's actually just Beretta now, and um, you know of course AJ Styles and and people like that have really a second chance in New Japan. Of course, people like uh, D.H. Smith and Lance Hoyt, people like that, uh, uh, Doc Gallows, people like that having a second chance um, in New Japan is, is really, really good. And one of my favorite wrestlers is Carl Anderson and, and, and just, you know, I, I think that Carl Anderson should be a world champ in the state somewhere. I think, you know, I think people like Carl Anderson, if GFW wants a shot, they need Carl Anderson. And, and I think that Carl Anderson, you know, he, he was in and out of ROH, but, you know, people like Carl Anderson should be world champ in somewhere like ROH or NXT. Uh, I think that guy, I think Carl Anderson, just his, his skill set is absolutely incredible has one of the best cutters in the business, and it's just a very fluid, 
wrestler, just an amazing wrestler. I've 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 uh, followed uh, Carl Anderson for a number of years now, and just uh, formed formed a great team with Giant Bernard, and uh, just 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 a really really excellent wrestler. And uh, it's just really good to see, you know, to to see people like that. So awesome stuff. Uh, one more question. Let's see. Hmm. Man, these are some really, really good questions. Really, really good questions. Um. Oh goodness, I think I might ask. I may, I think I'm gonna ask um you all to keep it going because uh this is really good some some really good questions uh what made you fall in what made you first fall in love with pro wrestling uh great question this is uh sentimental please um don't feel um don't feel like you're not man enough to pull out some tissues right now because you may need some uh my great grandmother she uh she passed when i was uh, uh in 1995 and uh, I was a teenager, and um, she 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 was was an avid wrestling fan. She uh, when I was growing up, she was in her sixties, and she was in a uh, she was in a cane at the time, and and uh, you know just uh, and 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 uh, not necessarily poor health, but declining health. And she even with her cane. And even with her declining health, she had a a she had a recliner. She had the the infamous recliner, the the throne, and she was a sixty plus year old woman was absolutely fascinated with professional wrestling. I mean, I kid you not. I mean, she watched. Every single episode of wrestling when I grew up, and that's the reason why I'm so. That's the reason why I know so much wrestling is because of her. I watched all of the Class of the Champions. I watched all of the WCW Saturday nights, all of the Raws. You know, from '93 on, she passed in '95. So in Raw started in '93. I watched all of the um, the superstars. Uh, the uh, the All Star Wrestlings, the AWA on ESPN, uh, GWF. I, I watched all of those wrestling. I, I watched all of those shows, and it's so funny because I was a big fan of Pressure Luck as well. I don't know if you all know that the 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 game show with the whammy. And I used to watch Pressure Luck, and uh, I, I used to go back and forth between Pressure Luck and. Uh, uh, GWF on on ESPN uh, in the in the early nineties, and she and, and I would I would I would be the, one of the first things I would do after school I would go to school the bus would come back home and I would watch AWA uh, and GWF, and uh, she was just adamant she would just allow me to to watch all of those wrestling shows. And uh, you know she passed. Unfortunately, you know she passed when I was uh, fourteen. I was in nineteen ninety five, and I just I uh, the people cause I have a I have a brother a year younger than I am, and uh, he was a big wrestling fan when he was a kid. But he stopped watching wrestling. But I wrestling never 
left my interest. It, it, it never left my interest. There has not been one single time from birth to now that I ever stopped watching wrestling. And I would give the most credit to her as just an homage um, of just, you know, of, of her. She was, you know, my biggest inspiration as a kid. Uh, she was my coach. She was, you know, my disciplinarian. She made sure that I was uh, that I kept my 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 stuff kept myself in gear. And uh, she was an avid, avid, avid wrestling fan. And uh, when she passed, it was just the most. It, it was the, the the biggest thing. It was the most uh, collapsing feeling that I've ever felt and still to this day the, the most just just the most uh, incredible collapsing feeling that I've ever had is when I found out she passed away uh and 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 then uh, and just just to carry on her legacy um I I still watch wrestling and when she passed and uh still watch it now so there you go that's how I started watching uh Wrestling. A um, couple more, and then we'll get to Raw. What was the worst angle of all time? Um, I'll make actually I'll do a couple lightning questions. I'll make them I'll make them a little shorter. What was the worst? What was the worst angle of all time? Um, uh, higher power angle. That was just oh, that was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Katie Vick is up there. Um, but that was more of a, a segment, you know. The, the 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 feud between Kane and Triple H wasn't that bad, but Katie Vick was horrible. But just the the higher power gimmick was just incredibly stupid. It, it, it was just ridiculous, and just and what made it even worse was it was Vince McMahon. So at the end of the, at the end of the day, it makes sense. The higher power is Vince McMahon. Uh, uh, the irony, <laughs> the irony in that is just <laughs> is, is very eerie. Do you think Lucha Underground will continue to have the success they had last year and penetrate into main, mainstream? Um, hmm. I think uh, yeah. El Rey is not a very popular uh, station. A lot of people don't have El Rey, so if they manage to get a better station. Well, not a better station, but a station that's more um, that that that's in more homes. I think that'll be. That, I think that'll work. Um, very good. So, uh, why do you think pro wrestling media in the states continually seems to ignore Mexico for the large part? Many people have developed themselves on who they'd be in their careers. Many find a new breath of life in their wrestling careers, and many wrestlers. Uh, that would be considered Hall of Fame characters in Mexico, but continually ignored. Um, mm, the style, the, the Mexican style, is so much different than the the American style. The, the luchador type style. Well, Mexico, it's it's a very um, they, they they concentrate on characters. And like you know, the characters are gods. You know, in in the history of Mexican wrestling, of course, you know people like um, uh, uh, Dos Dos Caras, 
Paraguayo, um, uh, Blue Demon, um, you know, people like that, uh, and is 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 some of the most popular, you know, wrestlers of all time from the Mexican, uh, from Mexico, uh, Mil, Mil Mascaras, of of course, uh, and, and just people like that is just so they're 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 their gimmick is so popular and, and they're like, you know, rock stars in in the in Mexico. But unfortunately they don't get the same type of um shine here in the States because they've probably already had their rock star quote unquote and they just don't have that type of appeal uh to promoters here in the States unfortunately. So that that is unfortunate for sure. Um all right, let's do one more question. Um There's a few of them that are good in here. Let's do one more question. All right. So the last question is this. If you have the opportunity to book a New Japan versus WWE cross-promotion event, what matchup would you build the event around? And if you can, what are some few undercard matches you book? All right. That's a flavor of the week question, but I'll condense it to this. The biggest um, the biggest part, the, the biggest feud I would have right now from the current WWE and New Japan would be it would be headlined by Brock Lesnar versus um, Fale, Bad Luck Fale versus Brock Lesnar. That would be my biggest. Event. I would put the Intercontinental title on Fale, and I would do the Intercontinental title versus the, because I mean when when Nakamura won the won the New Japan when the IWGP Intercontinental title it became it actually main evented a Wrestle Kingdom event so I would put it on um I mean because I w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say put the World Strap on him because you know him and AJ are both well actually uh, if I'm not mistaken uh, um. Uh, Okada has it now. I I, I wouldn't say Okada versus Lesnar because I, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think that. I mean, I I'm a big Rainmaker fan, but we he need Lesnar needs someone who can you know stand toe 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 to toe with them, and I think Fale would be a, a good person who would do that. So I would have the Intercontinental Title. Uh, New Japan Intercontinental title, Brock Lesnar versus Bad Luck Fale. That would be my uh, my, my, my big big event, my, my main event. Undercard matches, I would have, um, for the WWE title, I would have Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. I would have um, tagged for tag team matches, Anderson and Gallows. Against uh, the Dudleys, I think that would be a great match. Um, the New Day against uh, Rapunzel Vice. Uh, 
and Tanahashi versus Randy Orton. That would be my that would be my big uh my my big matches right there. So awesome, awesome time there. Um and then I would probably do yeah. And I, and the reason why I'm saying those names or those names are uh over at the time. Now if I had some time to to build names, I would have I would build up Jack Swagger um I would still I would have like Jack Swagger versus Yuji Nagata. I would have like um I would have like Cesaro go against Shibata. Um stuff like that. You know, that that would be very I would have those 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 matches too. If I had time, you know, had time to build those uh, those names. So, yep, that would be my my uh, current card. So, Awesome time. We shall do this again. Uh, very, very fun, fun stuff. Uh, and we are going to get started with Raw right after this. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear We've taken this year You know who we are But you don't know why we're here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play Like who defies the living God Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings You see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo but ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate. Suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday raving. Anticipating. I was frostbit. Now I am glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. Using God for my defense in Alabama We jamming, that's beautiful Bobby Eaton, me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking shit, you are what you speak This too sweet Till the number is took back We reppin' that wolf pack The foundation shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trust in God, we trust Pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stamping out this crook rap He turning the Power on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games, our army go move too. You crew, I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Steiner brothers, we love it. Demand the win, establish it. It's the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. All right, ladies and gentlemen, fun, fun time. We got we got to do that sooner than later. That was a great, great uh, Q and A there. Very, very successful. Um, another another match that I randomly thought about was um, the time splitters against uh, the New Day. It would be pretty cool too. I think that they would uh, complement each other very, very well. Derek, how 
calls the baddest co-host on the planet tonight. Hey, the, the co-host of the baddest planet, the baddest co-host of the planet, doing great, Chris. However, I, I was late getting here today. I was, the Pancakes and Power Slams company car broke down, and uh, you know I was stranded on the side of the road in front of the Astrodome, and and so now I'm here. I, I got to the uh, Pancakes and Power Slam studios. And, uh, what's been going on? What did I miss? Anything good? I, what's going on? Some, some great Q and A, man. We just spent the the last nearly hour with some really good Q and A from my great grandma being uh the most inspirational wrestling uh pro wrestling uh fan to booking a WWE and New Japan um new new Japan card. So really, really good stuff. And of course now we're going to yeah, yeah. You know what? It, uh, if you guys check out uh, an old Bleacher Report article that I wrote uh, a while ago, I actually did that with uh, WWE and TNA. So uh, check that out if you may. Uh, I, I did a cross promotion of WWE and TNA. Um, let's get into Raw. Uh, there's not much to talk about in Raw. That's the reason why I was so happy that we had a. <laughs> A great Q and A because that was much more inspiring uh, and 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 memorable than uh, the Raw episode. Unfortunately, let's start off with Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar doing an in-ring promo, interrupted by the Big Show. Uh, and you know what's so funny? Their their match at Madison Square Garden was actually not horribly booked. Uh, it was a good way for Big Show to have some type of credit instead of a just a squash match. You know, the, the three choke slams was was pretty good, and Show actually looked like a threat to Brock Lesnar for a few minutes at least. And of course, uh, he walked right into Suplex City. But uh, you know, this is just building Brock Lesnar for his quote-unquote go-to-hell tour, and the very weird booking against uh, the weird, the weirdly announced match against The Undertaker at Hell in a Cell, which I really hope ends this feud without question. But it makes me wonder, though, um, why are they building Brock Lesnar this much he doesn't, again, I've said this before, Brock Lesnar does not need the build at all. He doesn't need any type of build. It wouldn't make sense to build him this strongly to beat The Undertaker because he doesn't need that because he already ended the streak. So it makes me wonder, does The Undertaker actually have a shot of beating Brock Lesnar at Hell in a Cell? Uh it could be. It could very well be. Brock Lesnar's been there at least, what, maybe going on three years now. And you could see that if, if that happens. That would definitely be The Undertaker's last match, I'd assume. Uh, you got to let him go out on top, out with a bang. Oh, would that really ruin anything with Brock Lesnar? I don't think so. They all easily could have ended that at SummerSlam and uh, mm-hmm. been done with it. But they wanted to drag it out. That's fine. Hell in a Cell, that's great. That's Undertaker's territory. It's like... I'm looking forward to the match. It's the final of the uh, final trilogy. This could be the last big battle we see with Brock Lesnar. 
However, it's and the Undertaker, but we'll see where it goes to. And um, I'm convinced that Brock Lesnar will probably lose this match. I mean, it would go through extremes. He's probably going to do stuff that he's never done before, as far as just hits he takes and bumps. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a free for all. And I really believe that the Undertaker's probably going to come out this way with no controversial ending like at SummerSlam. That was such a but I guess they knew they're dragging out to this, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I honestly think that uh, lead up to a Brock Lesnar loss, legit loss. You know what? I I I don't disagree with you on that. I think that this. I think that Taker actually may win this match, and it's and you know it's taken a lot out of me to say that. Of course, I'm a lifelong Taker fan, but I you know. Watching him at SummerSlam was just, it was really painful. And I tweeted this during the match. It was really painful to watch The Undertaker against Brock Lesnar. Because it wasn't, it didn't take him much time at all to be like totally fatigued from, you know, going back and back and forth with Brock Lesnar. I remember, I think I said this before, I remember him doing his patented leg drop on the apron and, you know, turning around and putting his uh, hands on his hips. And I've been, you know, I've been a football player and I've been a personal trainer since 2005, and that is one of the telltale signs of I am drained is I got my hands on my hips, I'm exhausted, and I and I'm about a few seconds away from done, and yeah, it it was it was really tough to to watch Taker fight. So he'll have two more months, you know, from from SummerSlam to Hell in a Cell, he'll have two more months to get his endurance up. Uh, just because he's 50 years old doesn't mean that he. Can you know? Doesn't have to have low endurance. You know that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that just because someone's fifty. I mean, there's people who are fifty who are in much better shape than people you know thirty years younger than them that 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 can hang and you know last an hour you know longer than someone half their age. So that just because he's fifty doesn't mean he's you know just because doesn't mean he's in the world. Look at Sting; he Sting got in phenomenal shape uh, at fifty six years old when he went against uh, Seth Rollins at uh, at Night of Champions. And so you know you can't you can't say just because he's fifty it mean it means he doesn't have endurance. Of course, he won't be able to be the same Undertaker as he was in nineteen ninety. But at the same time, you know, the level of endurance that The Undertaker had last year and this year was a little better, but it was still, you know, painful to watch. But if it's a slow, methodical match, it's a gimmick match. So, you know, there was no gimmick match at SummerSlam, so it made it even tougher because there was no gimmick to kind of protect The Undertaker. However, it's a gimmick match this time. It's Hell in a Cell. So the cadence can be a lot slower as long as they, you know, do the big the spots on the on the cage and so forth. So the cadence can be a lot slower and people can still be into it uh, this time because it's a gimmick match. So I think that will go in Undertaker's favor. So I think it actually may. I mean, I don't think it'll. I think it'll be a much better match than uh, what we saw 
uh, at at uh, SummerSlam and of course at last year at WrestleMania. I think this will probably be the best match that they'll have. But you know, funny enough, Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker, you know, uh, nearly a dozen years ago, over a dozen years ago, uh, in a Hell in a Cell match. So are they going to have Lesnar do that again? So you know, it's just it's interesting because they, you know, it. Taker actually may do it. So that would be very interesting to see. Just uh just strolling through the rest of the uh the card last night. Uh well Monday night on Raw. Reigns, Ambrose and Norton uh defeating the Wide family. Now this did come to a surprise to me. First of all, they they're having this they they build Night of Champions to have a mystery partner. For the Wyatt family, for the for you know, like a Shield 2.0, they they built it to have a mystery partner for it to be Jericho, who, by the way, great speech at MSG. It, you can just tell if if you haven't watched that. If anybody haven't watched that yet, I would. It, it, you're not missing much, to be honest with you, because it wasn't very good. But at the same time. The Jericho Owens match was good, and I knew it was going to be. But that that speech that Jericho did before the match with Owens was very heartfelt. You can tell it was literally his 25th year wrestling, and of course in Jericho fashion, in typical in typical Jericho fashion, even with it being 25 years of wrestling in the business, and his very first match being against who, which is the first trivia question of the night. And that's being a draw. He didn't even lose his first match. It was a draw. But 25 years later, he lost. Typical, <laughs> typical Jericho fashion. But it was a great, it was a great uh, interview. Uh, it was a great promo, rather. Very heartfelt, and uh, it, it was good stuff. He mentioned uh, the answer to the trivia question. He also mentioned Don Callis from uh, from ECW. So that was. I, n- I never knew that Jericho and Callis had that type of relationship, and it was it was really cool to to to, to see that. So that was really cool. But you know, other than that, it wasn't anything to really you know hold hold their head up high for as far as the, the MSG event. It wasn't horrible, but it just it just wasn't really memorable. Uh, but you're building you're building this feud around this mystery person. Who's the mystery guy? So you got the mystery guy, it's Jericho, you know, you know, big flop. That was that was a big flop to to even put Jericho in that situation. And then you just kind of do a brush off win with Orton being the guy that can beat the Wyatt family. And you do it on a raw 2 weeks, you know, 3 weeks before the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So it just it just doesn't make any sense and it's just really making me wonder like what in the world are you going to do with Orton? You you got one of the highest paid people in the entire company just kind of floundering through feuds the whole year. I mean, yeah, they threw him in with Seth Rollins. Him and Seth Rollins wasn't a horrible feud. But at the same time, it really going it really wasn't going to lead to anything because Orton wasn't going to win the title. 
And then him and Sheamus was just not good. Uh, there was nothing about Orton versus Sheamus that intrigued me at all. And now he's with, you know, the Wyatt family. He's just been floundering around just about the entire year. And, and he, or, Randy Orton has been just a bore to me for quite some time. I mean, when he turned heel and went with the authority, that was some t- there was that was some revival to his career. But other than that, I mean, he's been a bore to me for a number of years. Unfortunately, uh, the feud with him and Christian it was it was good matches, but it was still not very not very interesting from a Randy Orton standpoint. And then he's was feuding people like Barrett for a little bit and Cody Rhodes for a little bit, and he's just been floundering in feuds for the past few years and just really haven't haven't made me interested in him at all. And so, you know, for someone who gets paid so much has been such a staple in the in the business for so long. I mean, he started the same year as Cena did. And, yeah, he's been champ 11 times, but, I mean, maybe one or two of them I could really remember for, you know, the, the, that that was actually – memorable and so i just really don't know what's what's next for orton and 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 ambrose too i mean he's just kind of he's right in that orton boat just floundering with fuse just i mean there's reports of him possibly being pushed and cena's you know going to take time off but they already tried that earlier this year when he was feuding with seth rollins it just didn't really work out that much, and I doubt that that rumor will come true. I don't think that they'll make Ambrose a main eventer again if they didn't see him be good enough. The you know earlier this year, I just don't see the difference between now and and springtime. You know, and so spring and and summertime when he was in the main event. So, eh. I don't see much with that either. So Ambrose and Orton, those are just really two names that just, to be honest with you, don't really interest me at all. I can really see where you're coming from. Orton's been a lame duck for so long. And honestly, he's probably been a lame duck since evolution resolved. I mean, he's never been that interesting. He almost kind of reminds me like a, I don't want to say like a modern-day um, – Mike Rotundo or a, a Barry Windham of sorts that, you know, he just never, you know, he has a lot of success, but not just doesn't have that hit factor. With Ambrose, he is going in that direction. However, I mean, it's almost like Roman Reigns. I mean, he just needs to build. They could have made Roman Reigns champion last WrestleMania. It would have made a hill of beans today. But because they didn't, maybe there's something to it. Maybe they're just trying to build him. I mean, Ambrose, obviously, you want to keep around for a while because he's somebody that can just execute anything you want. Same thing like Orton. He can always get the job done, but he's just not somebody to really... Orton, it's too late for Orton. He's done. Ambrose and Reigns still have a chance to do something, make something of themselves. I remember hearing that uh, Ambrose might take a leave of absence. If he comes back, maybe he could be a different character, be a different... You know, maybe be a heel this time. Um I don't. I don't. It, it again. It's it's really great material they're working with. You don't know. You know they they can go. They can almost do it and be it. But Orton again. It's too late. I mean, he probably had the 
peak of his career, uh, you just how much time can you give somebody to really build people in? I don't know a single person that says, I'm going to Raw because I want to see Randy Orton. So, right, exactly. It, it's one of those unfortunate things with wrestling. I don't think Randy Orton was ever that guy, though. That's that's the thing. I I remember times where, and I'm not the big, you know, I'm not a, a big mark of wrestlers. You know, there's a few that, you know, I'm a mark of, like, you know, Big E and, and Finn Balor. But that's that's not, uh, I'm just not that guy. I just don't really, maybe because I know the inside of wrestling so much now. And I'm still a fan. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still a fan, but... I, I'm an insider now. I know stuff, and so just it's really hard to mark out on certain wrestlers now. But still, I mean, I, I'm still a fan. Like I said, I still mark out on certain wrestlers. And I remember one time, even before I was, uh, you know, years ago, probably about ten years ago. No, more like yeah, more like oh five, oh six. Um. I was a mark for Batista, and I know you don't like Batista at all, and, uh, you know, there was only a, a hiccup that I was really big on Batista, but I was like, I mean, the, when he was a huge face on SmackDown, and just, you know, SmackDown was just the show to watch, and just the, you know, the, the theme music, people would just erupt. Like, I would be there live, and people would erupt for Batista. And the whole cannons, you know, the pyro matching, with the, you know, with the cannon gestures. And it was just it was just a sight to see. And, and Batista was incredibly over. He's never been, you know, the best wrestler by any stretch. Not even a very good wrestler. But his character was way over. And... If Batista, who also you know was in that class uh, with with uh, Cena and Orton, if and of course Cena speaks for herself, but if Batista even from you know even with the what five years that Batista was really you know uh, really really cemented in the WWE as a as a top player. And as a uh, wrestler, I would say probably six, because he started as the Deacon and Evolution. Uh, so I would say probably about seven years or so that that uh, Batista was, you know, a main player. But just uh, as far as being a top guy, probably about five. I would say four or five. And but it's like. Even with that amount of time, Batista was just insanely over. But to me, Orton has never been that guy to me. He's never been the guy. Batista was the guy. Cena was the guy. Orton was never, to me, the guy. And it's just something about Orton. I mean, he's a very fluid wrestler. He's he's a solid wrestler in the ring. But it's just something about Orton that's just that, that just never clicked to me. Uh, Seamus defeating Neville. Um, Neville unintentionally uh, distracted by King Barrett. Yeah, this is just a mid-card fluff feud, really. Uh, Kane offers to be Rollins' partner. Rollins refuses. Stephanie comes out and you know officially and he breaks up the she breaks up the argument and officially uh, 
books Rollins versus Kane and then if Rollins ooh, if Rollins beats Kane, corporate Kane is gone. Like we're supposed to actually be- believe or really care that that means anything and, and it doesn't. Natalia defeating Paige, which was interesting that it was just a clean tap out. Uh, but kudos to Natalia. She deserves it. Uh, Owens defeating Sin Cara. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dudley Boars defeating Rollins and uh, and Kane. Uh, Demon Kane attacks Rollins post-match and then gets 3D'd uh, based on what happened on SmackDown. Uh, Kane comes back up and choke slams Rollins to the table. Uh, of course, just building Robin, Rollins to be the weak link again. Uh, I mean, it hasn't worked. <laughs> just building building Rollins this way just hasn't worked. I don't know why they're continuing to do it. He's been one of the weakest build. He's been one of the weakest booked world champions in the past. I would I would say the past decade. He, he has been such a weakly booked world champion. It's been ridiculous. He's losing consecutive matches, including the Steel Cage match. At MSG, he's using, he's losing, I don't care who it is, you're losing consecutive matches for the United States Championship. Like, you're the world champ, but you're losing matches for the United States Championship. Like how how much sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense at all. Team Bad defeating Team Bella, and then this, and, and I'll let you chime in on this crap. The Summer Ray introduces the Rusev, and then... They get a tribute video, and then Summer asks Rusev to marry him. And then he says, yes, but not yet. And he'll marry her when he gets gold on his waist. What in the world was the point of this segment? The point of the segment was pretty much to make everybody turn the channel. Uh, it was, what are they trying to do? All of a sudden, you, know, you have this big Bulgarian giant, which six. 12 months ago, he was a legitimate guide, a heel. And now he's just shaped an idiot. It, it sucks. I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say that other than Team Bad. I mean, this is bad. I mean, the Divas division has been garbage. We talk about it every week. You got the revolution coming in. Hasn't changed a thing. When they keep putting stuff like, I mean, it just criminalizes Rusev to make him just look like a I, I, I don't know what to compare it to, really. I mean, Dino Bravo didn't do things like that back in the day. Canada's strongman. I mean, he's a legitimate strongman. They turned this guy into this weak mush. It's stupid. I can't stand the fact that it's gone on this long, Chris. And it was the worst segment of Raw I've seen in years. And as, who cares if they get married? I don't care. Nobody cares. This whole feud with right. Ziggler is old, done. Nobody wants to see it anymore. I'd rather... See Dolph Ziggler wrestle a broom, other than go against Rusev again. There's Moppy to it. And, Ziggler versus yeah. Moppy. Moppy. <laughs> oh, Perry Saturn. We need to get Perry Saturn on this show with Moppy. Yeah, <laughs> with Moppy. But, yeah, it's gonna be both of them. <laughs> there's nothing else you can say about uh, Rusev getting married, and uh, obviously Lana's going to be coming back soon. There's going to be more. They're just going to carry this out until it's. They don't even know what to do with it. We say it every week, Chris. I'm just—it's a broken record. Yeah, unfortunately, man, and just uh, this is just ridiculous. This is, this is just a this is just a prime example of just poor, poor 
forecasting uh, or foreshadowing when you come with 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 booking. Just uh, you just horrible planning. It just really. I mean, I'd imagine Lana being injured and, and, and getting surgery kind of put a huge monkey wrench in plans, but come on now. There there could be so much more that Rusev could be doing right now. He could go back to his just dominant spree where he's just beating up mid-carters, you know, galore. That could, that could be helping his character right now while Lana gets uh, uh, healed and recovered. And then when Lana comes back, you know, he ditches Summer Rae and goes back with Lana. I mean, then he's back to Wrecking Machine again, uh, which he needs. Who played the fake Razor Ramon? Who played the fake Razor Ramon? And that'll be a Flavor of the Week question here uh, coming soon. The Heal Jim Ross days with the fake Diesel and, and fake Razor Ramon. <laughs> Moppy and Peppy should tag. That that was that's hilarious. Um, and then we get the U.S. Open Challenge with Biggie accepting. Uh, you know, I did. I, I knew that that uh, Cena was going to win. I, I was hoping that you know, with the time that he's supposed to take off, this would be the time where you know he would drop the title because he doesn't have a match scheduled for Hell in a Cell. But, yeah, of course, he wins. But what's, what is interesting, or the lack thereof, really, is when, at the end, uh, well, I love the fact that New Day reigned supreme. That was surprising, but it was a great and different way to end Raw. But the accidental super kick that uh, Ziggler did on on Cena. There's some rumors that we'll see a, a, a Ziggler versus Cena U.S. title match, you know, kind of transitioning the total divas crap with Ziggler still liking Nikki. I mean, how – I mean, to me, that just has the fakeness of total divas written all over it, like the, just the storyline behind that. Like, what is up with Dolph Ziggler and females in the WWE? Uh, Caitlyn, AJ, I mean, just, it's ridiculous what they're doing with, with, you know, Dolph Ziggler and just random females in the WWE over the years. And Nikki Bella, you know, apparently is going to be the next one. And, and just, first of all, I don't want to see a U.S. title feud between Dolph Ziggler and John Cena. And second of all, I certainly don't want to see it over, you know, over the love of Nikki Bella. That just has ridiculousness and just boredom written all over it. I mean, if you're going to make someone U.S. champion, actually spend time to push another star. Make someone else over. Put it on Cesaro. His first U.S. title reign, he was just really getting his feet wet in the WWE and he was with Oksana, and they just wanted to push him because people knew him in the Indies. And so his first U.S. title reign wasn't very good at all, actually. And so he's, you know, as of before a few weeks ago when they just start burying him, he was way over. Would have been a perfect time to give him the U.S. title. And, you know, Cesaro would be a good name to, to have the title. I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, bring Zep Coulter back and have – 
Jack Swagger beat John Cena uh, for the U.S. title. I, I'm sure Swagger, I mean, Swagger and Cena's had some good matches on Raw before. So, uh, you know, and, and I would I would still make, I would still keep Swagger a babyface. So, I mean, there's other names that you can really spend time to push um, to, to, to make, you know, good stars. And so, eh, it's, Cena versus Ziggler is just something I do not want whatsoever. And either that's going to happen or because the New Day beat up on Ziggler, they may have, you know, the New Day and uh, Ziggler versus, you know, they they might have the Dudleys and Dolph Ziggler versus the New Day just to kind of, uh, just to kind of, have a throwaway match at uh, at TLC, uh, not not at TLC, but at uh, uh, at uh, Hell in a the Cell. They'll probably have a six man match like that. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't do Cena versus Ziggler. But either or, I mean, I wouldn't be totally opposed to Ziggler and the Dullies against the New Day, but I would be totally opposed to Ziggler versus Cena. Uh, Ziggler versus Cena. I mean, Cena's got to drop the title. He needs time off. I believe that when I see it. When I see John Cena out there for a consecutive two weeks, all right, this guy's going to be gone for a while. What's the WWE going to do? What's going to be the shape of the WWE? What are they going to do without John Cena? All right, well, that's time to shine for the Zigglers and the Swaggers and Cesaros and everybody else. Uh, but it, it, it's kind of up in the air, like you said. I mean, it, John Cena doesn't even have a match for this coming uh, pay-per-view. They'll throw one in there, obviously. They'll maybe make it four hours long again for whatever reason. But uh, he just needs he needs to drop the title, get out of the scene for a while, let the mid-card talent with the U.S. title really flourish, and then we'll see what, what goes on. I mean, the swagger, I mean, bring him back. That would be great. He did have great matches with uh, John Cena, and he's someone that it would be legitimate if he won I mean, the crowd would erupt. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Cena loses, takes a bow for a while. Same thing with Cesaro. I'd almost rather see it on Cesaro. Just let the guy do his thing, part of the brass ring club or whatever. But he always seems to be in trouble in the backstage for whatever reason. You just don't see him anymore. Even when he's on the cusp of being an absolute great superstar, they just they throw him away and put him to the side and let John Cena come out with the belt. So, I mean, with their, their championships right now, the WWE just, it's horrible. I mean, you've got, again, Seth Rollins, you're supposed to celebrate the championship. You're supposed to celebrate he's a champion, everyone gets behind him, and this guy just sneaks and weasels, weasels his way out of everything and just wins by some technicality default. That's not how the champion's supposed to be decorated. I get it. It's part of the angle. It's what they're doing now, but it's gone on a little too long, and the ratings are dropping. I mean, Proof yeah, is in the pudding. Absolutely. What's he going to do with that? Very well said. Very well said. Another uh, great comment here. There should always be a few people at the top, and they should always have the rock, paper, scissors deal. A beats B, B beats C, C beats D, D beats A. Absolutely true. We talked about that in previous episodes, probably a week or two ago, that the you know Attitude Era was like that. I mean, you had Rock, Foley, Austin, uh Triple H Taker and uh it was just uh, those were the five and you know you had a six with uh with people like Jericho 
and there was five or there were a solid five or six people that were just you know top guys, and they would you know just trade trade victories, and that's how it should be. And of course, Kurt Angle too, you know, he was up there too in the late uh, in the early two thousands. So you had a solid seven people, you know, five to seven people up on the top, and that's what really caused it to just really thrive. You got someone who's injured, and it doesn't. You don't really miss a beat because there's so many guys on the top. So, all right, real quick, flavor of the week. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Because of time, give me, Derek, give me a thirty-second synopsis of what your thoughts are on the future of TNA wrestling. Future of TNA wrestling, honestly, it seems like. Again, I've never been a TNA guy. I watch it every now and then, bits and pieces. And I've got friends that are in TNA, and it's still not to the point where it's ever going to compete with WWE. It was never a contender for the WWE. Uh, if you watch it, if you get Destination America, it's great. Rumors are it's going to be changing soon to a different cable station maybe. But who would put their time and money and effort into this promotion? I mean, honestly, unfortunately, you know, Kurt Angle's there, and you got the Hardys there, yeah, you know, numerous other, Mr. Kennedy, Anderson, I'm sorry, and it's what do you, you don't know what to do with these people. It's like almost like WCW was at the last couple months of its tenure, and you just can't save this federation to where it's going to be something legitimate. And you've got everyone that's going to watch it. But again, it's almost like an NXT is so much better. ROH is so much better. Oh yeah. TNA, you're supposed to be a bigger score. You're supposed to be a bigger sell, but we just don't see it. We never have yeah. seen it. There might be glimpses, but you know you you wasted all that away and what it is yeah, now. Absolutely, absolutely, I, I agree. And, and you know, there's so much I can I've said about TNA. How much I used to be a fan, and I, I and I've still and I still watch TNA. I still watch it every week, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's painful to watch. Mostly, you know, Matt Hardy's the world champ. I'm not I'm not totally opposed to that as much as everybody else is. I think Matt Hardy has put his you know, dues and has made his dues in, in wrestling to be TNA champ out of anything. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Actually, actually, EC3 is money. You know, he's he's a great heel, but you know he'll get it back and put it on Matt Hardy. And they're talking. You know, there's reports of him relinquishing the title about this whatever is going on as far as the angle is concerned. So it's not horrible, but. We'll talk about TNA more later. The bottom line to me is that uh, it's really a sinking ship, and it's going to be really tough to revive the brand in the United States. So they might have to think about doing their indie thing, and they they very good in the UK. So, with that being said, have a great week. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. God bless. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.